to be the man. You got to beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here. I'm the man. Welcome to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Join John and Brian as they share small adjustments that lead to major impacts. It is my favorite time of the week, podcast time, and I'm fortunate enough to have Mr. Dave Kale back again on the show with us today. Uh, of course, Dave Kale, he is the owner, operator, innovator of the Kaleway Sales Management System, and I'll tell you, it is much needed. We have looked at so many stats in this podcast about weak sales management and the need for training, and Dave sets them up for success. He takes businesses and helps them sell more efficiently by setting up actual systems he eliminates the need to wing it, and he empowers them to be sales machines. Dave, welcome back to the One Broken Cog Podcast. Great to have you. Oh, thank you, sir. It's uh, always a pleasure to be here. Definitely, definitely. We've got a great, great episode today. It's called, you know, I've called it the Sales FAQ. It's, you know, we have a lot of uh, listeners here that are new to the industry, and we also have a lot of business owners who don't really know the finer points of sales. So, you know, you have been around for quite a while. You've been very, very successful in building organizations and taking underperformers and turn them into top performers. So, I'd love to leverage your experience and your wisdom and we'll just go down the line. It's kind of like the hot seat. We'll just take these questions as they come. Some of them are yes or no and very simple. Some of them you may want to clarify. But uh, whenever you're ready, we can just start it from the top down and, and see where we end up at the end of the podcast. Shoot. Go ahead. All right. Question one, are great salespeople born or made? <laughs> well, you know, honestly, Brian, the truth is a little bit of each. And when I say that, I mean a salesperson has to have a certain level of uh, of uh, basic core abilities you know you got to be able to speak you got to you know so so there has to be a, a core set of abilities and there has to be a, a willingness to learn and an, uh, and a comfort at some degree of comfort uh, in working with people with that with that as a core so that's that's you know on the on the born side you have to be born with a certain set of of uh, skills but beyond that Salespeople are are in fact made, and I think if you would say uh, you know thirty percent, seventy percent, what's what's the ratio? It's not an either or. It's about thirty percent born and seventy percent made. And when I say seventy percent made, what I mean is there uh, sales sales is a process, sales is a science, and a process can be learned and a science can be mastered. And uh, someone who wants to learn and can learn and is motivated to, uh, to achieve, can learn sales. I mean, uh, the, way I, the way I like to describe it is on a, on a zero to 10 scale, I can take a seven and make them a 10. And I can take a five and, and make them an eight. And I can take a three and make them a five, but I, I'm not going to be able to take a one and make them a 10. You know, so, so if you start, if you're on a zero to 10 scale, if, you got, if you're a three or four, yeah, you can, you can become a 10. You absolutely can. Just, just by investing in yourself and learning what there is to learn and, and so on. So 70% made, 30% born. So what's the biggest weakness of salespeople? Mm, yeah, that's easy. They don't, invest in, they don't invest in their own growth and development. So, and you know, that's not, that's not just them. Um, I use a quote oftentimes in my, uh, in my presentations from James Allen. Says, people people uh, would want to change their circumstances, but they don't want to change themselves. And so therefore they remain bound. 
the biggest the biggest obstacle for sales the biggest fault of salespeople is they don't invest in themselves and this is this is uh, I you know I use this all the time it's an anecdotal observation that I've made over the years and that's this arbitrarily uh, arbitrarily select any 20 salespeople just 20 salespeople you know randomly select 20 salespeople and then survey them and you'll discover on the average that one has spent $25 of his own money on his own improvement in the past 12 months. One. The other wow. 19 the other 19 have not. You know it's it's incredible to me that um, every other every other profession in the world expects that um, there is a there is a standard of entry, you know, there's a it's something you have to master in order to become part of the profession and then you're expected to continually improve yourself you know that's why doctors go to conferences and nurses have uh, in services and and social workers and lawyers you know just name anybody and they they are there's an expectation they're continually improving themselves except one one profession that doesn't expect that and that's salespeople a lot of sales a lot of salespeople i would say most salespeople have never spent a penny improving themselves and that's the biggest that's their biggest fault that's too bad they that can come be so out of, much more than they are. You think that comes out of arrogance or ignorance? I think it. I think it comes out of ignorance more than arrogance. Although there is some arrogance there, particularly in people who, you know, have done this job for five years or ten or twenty or thirty. You know, their position is you can't tell me anything, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to learn anything because I know it all. But but uh, that's that's a small percentage. For the most part, it's it's uh, people are ignorant, and and I, I want to say what they they get involved in the transactional stuff that they deal with, and they don't understand that by improving yourself, you improve your results in all the transactions that you get involved with. So so the the key to becoming really effective in sales is not to focus on the transactions, but to focus on developing your own competencies. And as you create greater and greater competencies, you, you, have, you become more and more effective. Great. What, what do you think the biggest weakness of sales managers are right now? Oh, well, lack, of, lack of training, lack of education. And uh, so, you know, we have, a, we have a program very specifically designed for sales managers. We've actually, we've actually trained over uh, 2,000 sales managers in it. And the reason why it's so well accepted is because uh, sales managers of, of, all the, of all the job descriptions in the world of sales, the least trained and educated for the position is the sales manager. And it's, and it's not every salesperson can be a sales manager. And so, so there's, there's a couple of problems there. Number one is a lot of people are appointed as sales managers because they were good salespeople. And they're two separate, totally separate skill sets. So often good sales people don't understand the whole idea of sales management and they're, they're not educated in the processes and the principles and the practices of effective sales management. And so they default to being, you know, a super salesperson or, you know, the, the, the salespeople's best friend, you know, they have, they, because they just don't know any better. They've mm -hmm. never been exposed to the best practices of sales management. It's too bad. Why? Why don't uh, companies invest in training sales managers? Do you think? Well, I don't know. You know, uh, well, you know, I shouldn't say. I would say, first of all, some do. 
You know, like we've trained, we've like, again, we've trained over 2,000 of them. So there are some companies, and again, my experience has been, these are generally leading companies. So if you, you look at any industry and say, who's the top 10 companies, I you know, eight of, eight of those are going to be training their sales managers, and they're also going to be training their salespeople. But, but it's everybody else who doesn't. And unfortunately, that's the majority. The, the majority of companies don't. And I, you know, I think, um, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, that's, it's, always, it's always a little bit of a question for me um, as to why, why don't they, in, they invest in their sales managers. I think maybe the sales managers are afraid to admit they don't know. That's part of it. You know, they're afraid to admit they've never had training, management training. And uh, so, there, so a lot of sales managers uh, view uh, training as a, as a threat to their ego. But it's, but that's one thing, and there's there's, there's certainly others, you know. But uh, but I think that's I think that's operating there as well. There you go. What what's the biggest problem with company sales process? A little lack of them. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So yes, yeah, so, uh, honest, honestly, uh, just uh, I would say so. So I have uh, personally and contractually worked with over five hundred companies. I've I've touched others thousands of others in seminars and webinars and so on and so forth you know speak engagement at conventions etc so so uh, I would say that of the people that I got close enough to to understand their sales process most of them could not articulate any kind of sales process the the idea of a sales process has has not sunk in to most uh, sales organizations. Most sales organizations go out and hire the best people they can find and say, okay, you, you know, go, go, go out and go therefore and sell a lot. See ya. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's just too bad because um, every, every piece of that can be improved. The hiring of the person, the involvement in a sales territory, you know, how we, how, what we want this person to do, it's called a job description, but specifically what we want this person to do, our expectations and goals for this person, our, our uh, training, the whole idea of a sales process, of measuring steps in the process. I mean, those are foreign. Those are foreign terms. You know, I used to, I talk about sales systems. I mean, that's a, you know, my title of my brand is KLA Sales Systems. I'm a systems guy and it's it's just incredible to me that so many people, I say sales systems, they get, they look like Bambi, you know, they, what, what are you talking about? Sales can exactly. be systems. Yeah, you they know. have no idea. No idea. Yeah. So the biggest problem with sales process is there is none. There you go. Love it. Now, uh, Dave, is cold calling dead? Oh man. Um, for the most part, uh, it depends on what you mean by cold calling. So if you mean, if you mean, uh, let's say, live visits to people who are not expecting you, and you're not sure if they're a qualified prospect, yeah, it's just stupid as well as dead. If, if you mean um, making a first call to a highly qualified prospect, no, that's not dead. That's very, that's very appropriate, and there, there are ways to do that better. So it really just depends on, on what you mean by cold calling, Brian. Maybe you can, maybe you can define that a little bit more. No, no, it's, it's good. It's, I think it's meaning that they don't know you and you don't know them, and it's, uh, maybe I should have said cold outreach, but... Uh... Yeah, I guess you hit it on the head, you know, the, the, the cold calling, meaning you're just calling people randomly, hoping that it's a fit without doing any research or, you know, you're yeah. with hopes to landing a discovery call or something of that nature. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's both ineffective, uh, waste of time and um, 
you know, it's just, it's just stupid. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Now, do reps today lack fundamentals? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. And I would say uh, overwhelmingly yes. And uh, let, me, let, me, let me give you some reasons why I say that. We have, so we have a, a, a sales process that we teach, a sort of a basic sales process. It's a, it's a matter, each step in the process is a matter of uh, creating a competency to do this step well and then to expand forever on that competency. So, and, and when I teach it, a, a lot of people just, I mean, again, they just think, wow, I've never heard this before. And it's because it's, it's, the, it's the fundamentals. When, so, at a, so here's something that'll happen to me all often. At a seminar, uh, somebody will come up, you know, at a break or lunch or something like that, and they've got an issue. So they're going to tell me about their situation and they're wanting to know what to do. And what they're looking for is a strategy to make it all good. And when I talk with them, I would say 99.9% .9 of the time, the issue gets down to, have you done the fundamentals? So, and, and for the most part, they have not. So, I mean, have you, have you gotten to, have you created a little bit of a relationship with this person so that you're credible and, and they feel that they can, uh, you know, believe you? Well, I, I'm, I don't know. Well, have you discovered, have you done a thorough job of understanding what the customer wants and what, what they're looking for? Well, I got a bed, you know. So, it, so it goes, it, you know, it, the solutions to almost every sales problem are do the fundamentals better. That's the solution to almost every single sales problem there is. Do the, do the, go back and do the fundamentals better, and the problem will take care of itself. So, yeah, the, I mean, uh, very, very few salespeople uh, have mastered the fundamentals of selling, and, uh, of course, that's why guys like you and I have jobs. There you go. Absolutely. Now, are most millennials weak salespeople? Whoa. Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Actually, I would say that uh, for, for my for my personal anecdotal experience, uh, I have seen uh, millennials be uh, more open to learning and more open to uh, education than their uh, predecessors. You know, than older generations. I uh, sometimes question their motivation, but uh, but they're more they're more uh, teachable and trainable. So, um, I, th you know, it's, it's, uh, nobody's perfect. Everybody's got flaws and generations have flaws as well. But I think uh, millennials are, uh, are more easily trained and more quickly to adapt and learn, although they are not nearly as money motivated as, the, as their uh, predecessors. Will good marketing replace salespeople? No. Uh, not not in every industry. In some, yes. Uh, in some industries, marketing or digital uh, e-commerce absolutely will replace will replace the salesperson and has replaced the salesperson. In other industries, which are characterized by uh, more uh, sophisticated and complex sales uh, buying cycles, buying processes, and bigger ticket items, and again, that's a that term is relative to the customer's spend. If it's a bigger ticket item and it uh, involves a uh, buying process, salespeople are going to be necessary. Uh, 
So um, the, it's, it's an industry by industry, sales process by sales process sort of answer to that question. I can't make an all-inclusive all, all answer. That's a great answer. Great answer. Now, here's a really good question. Now, can there still be innovation in regards to sales methodology and pitching, or has the music already been written and the new fads and trends are just rearranging the chords? Well, so I would so let, let me give you a little background again. So I, I um, a few years ago, I moved out of an office and into a virtual office. And I had to get rid of all the stuff in my office. And that meant my collection of sales books. So I, I sent them all, I, do, I donated them all to the University of Toledo School of Sales, and I'm an alumni from the University of Toledo. So they got, so there's a, there's a collection of books. You know how many sales books I had that I had read and reviewed in that collection? Over 300. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So in all of that, my response is, you know, there are some fundamentals and practices in the world of sales, and... Uh, they can change on the surface, but fundamentally, they don't change. Uh, fundamentally, there is a set of practices, and every, you know, here comes the next guy who's going to call it, use a little different language and a little different uh, imagery to communicate it. But fundamentally, that we're all, all, uh, we're all talking about the same kinds of processes and practices. On the very surface of things, yeah, it can be a little different. You know, 20 years ago, people weren't using cell phones, um, and uh, you know they were using hard copy. But that's a that's a that's a superficial, a tactical difference. Underneath that tactical difference is a core principle, and the core principle is you got to find out what the customer wants. And so you can you can uh, use a hard copy form like they did, you know, two decades ago, or or you can. Uh, uh, speak it into a cell phone or have it transmitted and, and put into a CRM system. But so the technology has changed, but the principle and the practice is still the same. You still have to discover what the customer wants. So my view is, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of movement on the very surface of it, on the tactical end of things. But take just go one layer deeper underneath that, the fundamental practices, processes, and principles are the same. Great answer. I couldn't agree more. Uh, do most companies set unrealistic goals for their reps? I don't think most companies do. I, th I th honestly, I think uh, again, I've 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 worked with uh, you know like personally and and contractually. That means that you know they signed a contract with me over five over five hundred different companies. So uh, most of those do the best job they can in trying to. Uh, create measurable and objective goals. I mean, they're not trying to uh, put something out there that's unattainable. I mean, most of them are, are, you know, very, you know, spend a lot of time and effort and do their best to create uh, measurable goals. I'm sure some do. And again, that's that's too bad because that speaks to one of your earlier questions about the lack of education of sales managers. You know, that's oh, yeah. that's not a good thing to do. So, so yeah. I would say for the most part, no, some do. Some, I mean, some some do everything bad, <laughs> <laughs> of course. But yeah. but for the most part, you know, they're honest people striving to do what's what's right and doing the best job that they can. Yeah, you see that a lot in the uh, the startup world, the tech space for sure. You know, trying to figure it out, not really knowing what to do. Um, here's a great question: Is rapport the most important step in the sales process? 
Well, so I'm always I'm always leery of absolutes, you know, and I, so I don't like the word most, you know, <laughs> okay. biggest, most, highest, you know, I'm always a little leery of those words. Let me let me answer that by by this. So in my book, How to Sell Anything to Anybody Anytime, that's a, a book about sales processes. Okay, and and in there we describe a fu- what I call the fundamental sales process. And here's here's how it looks. If you can imagine a circle with a with a ring around the outer part of the circle, and a and a and an oval inside. Okay, so on the ring there are steps. Here's the steps of the sales process. Number one. Uh, engage with the right people. Second step, now we're moving around the, uh, the, the periphery of this circle. Second step is find out what they want. Third step is show them how what you have gives them what they want. Fourth step is gain agreement on the next step. Fifth step is follow up and, and leverage satisfaction. Now that's the, those are the fundamental steps of the sales process that we do. If we're on the phone talking with somebody selling a, a small ticket thing, maybe we can do that in five minutes. If we're selling a, a half million dollar piece of equipment, maybe we can do that in two years. You know, but we have to do that. That's that's every, that's what a salesperson does. Now, what I neglected to say was those are the steps on the outer surface. What's the circle in the middle? Circle in the middle, which which encompasses and touches everything, is quote make them comfortable with you i.e. build rapport. So there is, so rapport, Brian, is one aspect of a greater uh, competency. And the greater competency is to continually make the customer ever more comfortable with you. And the reason it's in the middle of my diagram is that it touches everything. So is it the most important? Yeah, honestly. um, Yeah, what does your gut tell you on this one? It's, it's very important. I have seen people skip others, uh, you know, various aspects of the sales process and still make a sale. Very difficult. And, you know, it's almost rare. It's almost by exception, but it does happen. I have seen people make sales without rapport. Very difficult. I mean, why would you do it the hard way? Why not do it the easy way? You know, I'm not going to say, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's the most important. I'm going to say it's an incredibly important fundamental skill. And if you can't do it, you you know, and if you can't get better at it, you probably shouldn't be in sales. There you go. Okay, I like it. Um, why do salespeople lie in their CRM system in regards to forecasting? Well, there's various reasons, you know. So, so one reason is, um, uh, you know, the fundamentals of the compensation plan. And uh, honestly, some compensation plans uh, promote uh, dishonesty. Because, uh, you know, just because of the structure of the plan, I mean, not, uh, and, and, you know, as a little aside, that's been a sort of a subspecialty of mine. I probably have done a hundred different compensation plans for people. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I go deep. I, I really drill deep into that. So there's, so some compensation plans, uh, not knowingly, but, you know, unintended consequences promote uh, dishonesty because somehow they're, compensation is connected to not what they did, but what they said they did. And uh, so uh, that's, this, uh, this is a fundamental compensation uh, is that you don't reward people for what they said they did. You reward them for what you can measure that they did. And uh, when a salesperson makes an entry into a CRM system, um, the source of that information is he is saying it. 
ultimately, right. ultimately, everything in that CRM system is a result of a salesperson saying this is so, because he's he or she's putting it in. So that's so that's one reason. Another reason is, um, uh, let's say, inappropriately managed expectations on the part of his or her supervisor. Going back to this whole sales management education thing. And uh, if, if you're putting a lot of, you're putting, if you're a sales manager and just putting all, all sorts of pressure on people, for example, to, um, to make uh, first calls, as we were talking about, to make a first call on a high potential prospect, you, you know, you're inclined to fudge some of that. Okay, so you stopped in and tried to see the guy, but he didn't see you. And that can just be exaggerated a little bit to qualify so you get the managers off your back, you know. So some of it's that kind of stuff, you know, and it's it's too bad. Again, it goes back to, um, I guess, two things. One, uh, inappropriate management, expressing itself, manifesting itself through unrealistic expectations for certain activities and also in an inappropriately designed compensation plan. Those would be the two fundamental reasons. The third reason, that's exterior to the salesperson. The third reason is a salesperson doesn't have the quality, the, the strength of character to tell the truth, even if it's difficult. And that yeah. there's a whole world, there's a whole world we can go into, Brian, about the character, the character of an effective professional salesperson. Yeah, those people wash up pretty quick, right? Um, I wish I could say they do. Sometimes they find situations that that tolerates that let me give you an example so again again so I, so i've gotten involved with lots of different sales forces and uh it seems in, in most um family held businesses that have been around let's say second generation or third generation uh there's almost always somebody in the sales force who um is not pulling his or her weight whose claim is that, uh, hey, I, you, I was your father's first hire or your grandfather's first hire or something like that. So therefore, you have to pay me uh, outrageously for as long as I want to be paid, regardless of what I do. That, that is uh, tolerated. That position is tolerated in a lot of places. Let me, let me give you one example that comes to mind right now. It was that situation. A young CEO, uh, second generation, was taking over for her father who was first generation, and they had a guy who was just milking it. He'd been around for 30 years and was just milking it. And uh, they put a, uh, a GPS tracer on his car and discovered that he's spending uh, two days a week at his, at his cottage on the lake. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the father, who had hired him 25 years ago or something like that, response was, well, maybe we're too hard on him and we have to give him more vacation time. <laughs> So when you say those, those people don't last, in certain, honestly, in almost every business that I've been in, somebody has fit that portrait of a guy who's just milking it and has found some thing to claim uh, as the reason why he's entitled, he or she's entitled to whatever they think they're entitled to. It's amazing. And yeah, it is. It is amazing. It, and, you know, as, as the outside guy, I'll, I'll like point it out, you know, and we have we have uh, measurements, you know, we have we have this thing we call Kale's calculation, which which measures the productivity of a salesperson. So so, you know, how how effective is a salesperson? Man, we can nail it down. We can put a we can put a number on it. 
create a percentage and can compare it to other people's percentage. You know, it's, it's that objective. We can nail it down and we'll do that. And so here's this person who stands out as being incredibly unproductive. So objectively, subjectively, in every way, I pointed out, and you'd be just amazed at how many people just say, okay, and don't do anything. And then, of course, they're wondering why they're not hitting their revenue targets, right? Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. <laughs> Great answer, Dave. So is pitching off a deck in 2020 a best practice or an ineffective method? Well, you know, the thing keeps moving, Brian. It just keeps moving. I don't think it's uh, a bad thing to do. But what I, what I have observed is that uh, – the, the use of technology, there, there are expectations for the use of technology and the sophistication of technology um, that vary from industry to industry. So if you're, if you're selling um, software to um, high-tech companies, you probably ought to be on the, on the cutting edge of whatever it is. And I suspect that pitching off a deck is not the cutting edge. However, if you're selling, if you're selling uh, janitorial supplies to um, manufacturers, you're probably meeting with the uh, plant manager at, at the best. And if, and if you've got something that lends itself to that, in that case, pitching off a deck would, be, uh, would put you in the top level, you know, in terms of what everybody else was doing. True. So it's so – the world of sales is much more complex to be uh, to talk about any of these tactical, superficial things as being uh, prescribed for the whole thing. Fundamental, the fundamentals are the same, but tactics vary, and they they vary by the sophistication of the sales process, by the by the industry, and so on and so forth. I mean, there's lots of variables. So I guess I'm going to say maybe. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah. What's uh, what's most effective? Defined territories or open borders? Well, it's again, it's it's not it's not it's not that simple. So, um, in some in some uh, worlds, a geographically defined territory, if it's if uh, is it makes sense, particularly if your customers are few and far between, and there's a big geography, and and you're selling a high ticket item with a sophisticated sales process, so that you need to be there and they need to see you, and so on. Then, then a geographically defined territory, you know, like oh, four states in the Midwest or something like that, you know, that's perfectly appropriate. In smaller territories where the customers are more dense, and um, and um, maybe uh, some of the work can be done by the, uh, over phone or video or something, you don't necessarily have to see them all the time. Then, then um, a territory defined by customers, by accounts. Uh, now, now I'm talking about a, a world of business-to-business business selling where you're, gonna, you're not just going to make a one-call close. You're selling these people over and over again. So a territory defined by accounts as opposed to geography makes um, some, some sense in many situations. The idea of uh, here's the world of prospects go forth and sell to whoever you want. And if somebody else, one of our other guys is in there, then, you know, whoever gets the business gets the business. That's kind of, that's kind of, um, I mean, that's a lack of management direction. So 
again, my answer my answer is always a little bit more nuanced than what you'd like to hear. I'm sure, Brian, but there's no <laughs> okay. there's and so many things. There's not a simple yes or no because True. because it's too nuanced. You know, it's too it's too sophisticated for that. I hear you. What's the hardest objection for most salespeople to overcome? Oh, well, I don't know about the hard. Well, maybe the hardest is, um, yeah, I, I have to get somebody's approval because it just shuts the salesperson off. Say, can I talk to that person? No, you can't. Right. right. So, so, you know, so you, so you got to fall back and, and there's, you know, there are procedures, there are, there's things to do. The most common objection is some variation of uh, the price objection. So, um, I, I, yeah, you, again, it, it varies by industry to industry, product by product. But I, I would think that the, the most difficult objection to to um, handle is I, I've got to get somebody else to approve this. So basically, not pitching the right person at that time. Yeah, but sometimes you're not. You're never going to be able to pitch the right person. Right. And by the way, by the way, that's why on my sales process, it begins with engage with the right people. So if you're not engaged with the right people, you're, you know, everything's a waste. It's a waste of time. Absolutely. I yeah. agree hundred percent. Now here's another, we've got only a couple of questions left. Are okay. account managers effective in growing or scaling accounts or should salespeople be in charge of upselling their accounts? Well, uh, again, I would say uh, uh, for the most part, I think that uh, a salesperson should be compensated for acquiring the customer and uh, penetrating that account to some degree. But again, it depends on the industry and the product line. I find myself these days in lots of industries uh, recommending, uh, you know, the hunter uh, farmer approach where somebody else takes over the account and manages the account or some team which is a combination of an inside person and an outside person or some somebody else as well maybe so um in the sales process the 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 big i i have something i call the the uh the big picture sales process the big picture sales process says what a salesperson does is identify suspects turn them into prospects turn prospects into customers turn customers into clients turn clients into partners so there's a step-by-step -step process, and, and it, not everybody works through the whole thing, and and uh, and it takes years. So, but the more, most difficult step in that whole process is moving a prospect to a customer, and that's when someone agrees to buy something for the first time. When when money changes hands the first time, it's no longer a prospect; it's a customer. Now, somewhere after that, depending on the the product and the industry and so on. It's more effective to have a, t a team uh, of people manage that account and let the salesperson go on to someone else. So again, it's, um, it's, it's an industry-specific, uh, sales situation-specific response, but the trend is, definitely trend is, to manage accounts more and more from somebody who does just that and doesn't go out and acquire new ones. Great. Perfect. Perfect. Is being late to a sales call okay as long as you let them know ahead of time or is that completely unacceptable? Well, it's not completely unacceptable. As a matter of fact, it's one of my little time management things, you know, I, just a little time management tactic that uh, we, it's one of the things we teach in our time management course for salespeople. And it's this, 
don't make appointments for a time, make appointment for ish. <laughs> and uh, so, so in other words, you, uh, you, don't, you don't make the appointment for 10 o'clock, you make the appointment for 10 ish. Right. And that gives you 15 minutes either side. You know, so you can be 15 minutes late and still be on time because it wasn't for 10, it was for 10 ish. I like that. Yeah, simple little, simple little thing. It gives you a half hour leeway on either side. So, so there's that. Now, can you be late for a sales point? Well, it's always, it's always, you know, it's always a bad idea. If, if it's uh, somebody you've got a great relationship with, you've been talking to them for five years and you're friends, then it's probably less bad. And if you call, you sure better call ahead and let them know you're going to be late. It's never a good thing to do, so it's to be avoided. But if you can't avoid it, and uh, then you, you absolutely have to call ahead and realize, I mean, you're, you know, you're starting out here uh, one step behind. You already got one strike against you. That's right. That's right. Now, just a couple more quick questions here okay. relating to business. Now, you're a business owner. I'm a business owner. We've done business with other business owners. Why, in your estimation, do most businesses fail? Um, well, uh, you know, people will study this, will say they're undercapitalized. That's probably the number one reason why most businesses fail. They, they, they don't realize that it's going to take more money to get this thing off the ground than what they expected. Uh, that's number one. Uh, number two is something that I work with all the time. And that is, uh, they have, they have failed to recognize the importance of a sales system. And they spent all their time developing a product or a process or their, whatever it is they're selling. And they have devoted almost no time to the system to sell it. So, you know, I have seen that over and over and over again. People just dismiss the difficulty and the cost of selling something. Let me, let me, here's, here's an example that comes to mind. You know, again, I've seen this hundreds of times but so so here's one i was called into this company they they were a fairly successful company they made uh panels that uh acoustical panels that absorb sound that they they sold uh through uh architects and the architect would uh, specify these as part of an architectural uh drawing for a building you know and 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 they were very successful in selling these they had multiple uh, uh, relationships with architects and so on. And then someone got the idea inside that they were going to create a, a signboard. This is a number of years ago, but they had a, they had a digital signboard that uh, people could um, digitally, and, and we've seen them all over now, you know, they're all over the place. Every convention hall and, uh, and hotel has them, but uh, where, where you can, uh, you know, log the day's events and put comments and so on and so on and so forth. But this is at the early days when that stuff was, was state of the art. So they had this brand new product and they spent, believe me, they had spent, they told me $250,000 creating the product. Now the problem was sale, the sales process. You couldn't sell, this was not a product sold to architects. This is a product sold to existing uh, facility managers. So, um, so they couldn't send it through their current sales channel, so they had to create a new system. They had to, you know, they had to, they, they had to start from scratch. And they called me and said, we're having trouble selling it. And I said, okay, how much money have you got to invest in the system? And they said, nothing. We spent it all on the product. And I said, Just go see somebody else. I mean, I can't do anything for you. You know, you, don't, you can't even print a brochure? No, we, we haven't a lot of money. <laughs> So, you know, so, so not only do entrepreneurs make that mistake, but uh, existing companies make the mistake because they don't look at 
whatever new product it is that they're creating and think in terms of the sales system. Is, is this a simple add-on to their current system, to their current customers, or, or do we have to create a whole new market segment? You know, that's huge, it's huge. And, and honestly, I don't think I've ever met a, an entrepreneur who's starting a business who has a, has a clear view of what it's going to take to sell it. I, I, I have this rule of thumb that I, that I say to them, and that's this. Whatever you spend in time and money creating this, the product to sell, you must spend an equal amount of time and money in creating the system to sell it. So if it, if it, if it took you a year and $100,000 to get this thing ready, whatever it is, a product or service or so on, Okay, now you got to spend a year and a hundred thousand dollars, whatever it is, the same amount in time and money to create the system to sell it. And if you don't, you're going to be constantly frustrated because you're not selling it the way you thought you could. Definitely. What What do you think is the, and going along with along those lines? What's the most common or number one weakness of business owners today? Well, it's uh, I don't know about the number one. There, there you go again, Brian. I can't. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm always hesitant of absolutes. Well, you've met a lot of business owners, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so since I'm a guy who helps salespeople and you know implements and creates sales systems, uh, everybody that I see has uh, lacks in that category. And now, it may be that it self-selects, and, and those people who have great systems I'd never see, that could very well be. Those people who have systems to train their salespeople, they're doing a great job. I don't see those people because they don't call me. But, uh, but I see as a fundamental, as almost everybody, almost everybody that I see lacks a clear understanding of what it means to create and implement and manage a sales system to grow your business. They just don't have that. Now, there's other things. You know, we can go into the qualities of character. I have a whole series on the, on the qualities of character of, a, uh, of an effective CEO. And, you know, so there's, there's a world of variables. No, it's okay. I think but in the world that I live in, that's the thing I see the most. There you go. And I see it too. I second that, that, uh, that statement. Now, last question, very last question. So you yourself, Mr. David Kale, you're out of business. You've identified the fact that they need your help. They admit that, that they need your help. What's the number one reason or excuse that they give you to not move forward, whether it be procrastination or fear of change or whatever it may be? What do you think that number one reason or excuse that businesses do not move forward? Timing isn't right. That's it. I mean, that's the number one thing. Yeah, we know we need this. We, we absolutely need it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, we're so busy with this other stuff. Right. Like, like the, time, the timing isn't right. You know, I use this. Um, again, let me give you a long answer to a short question. So I have this concept that I call bubbling up the 5%. And this, is, this speaks, this is my, this is how I describe my marketing uh, program. So if you, if you identify 100 business-to-business sales organizations, how many of them out of 100 could use my help? And honestly, 95%. 5% have it down so well they really don't need me. You know, they, they're, they're doing it perfectly. So, so we're down to 95%. Of the 95%, how many of them uh, realize that they, can, uh, that they have a need that can be addressed by somebody like myself? Half of them, half of them never get to the point that they have that. So now we're down to like, let's say 45%, 45 out of 100. Of those, how many uh, are open-minded enough and willing to pay somebody, uh, an expert like myself, to help them? Well, 
half of them. So we're down to, you know, we're down to like 20, 22%, 22 of the 100. So those who are open-minded, have a need, willing to pay, and so on. And how many of those is the time right that they want to do something now? Five. Five of the 100. So, all, so my job is not to convince anybody to, to use me. My job is just to find those who are out there looking for me because they know they have a need, they're willing to pay it, they want somebody from the outside with some expertise, and the time is right, they want to do it right now. All we have to do is find them. That's the five percenters. So my marketing philosophy is bubbling up the five percenters. There you go. I love it. Well, Dave, listen, it's been fantastic. Uh, thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your insight. I know there was a lot of questions, and uh, but it's much appreciated. Our audience is definitely going to benefit from your wisdom, as always. And uh, we definitely encourage people to uh, check out Kale's system. It's, it's fantastic. It's uh, for managers and salespeople, ongoing education, accountability. Uh, it's not an event. It's a process, right? It's not a one and done. It's a constant. Yeah, right, right, and, right. And, and I absolutely endorse it 100%. Dave, again, it's been a pleasure. Anything you want to leave us with before we bid our farewells? Yeah, yeah just uh, you know, uh, go to the the sales the salesresourcecenter.com, www.thesalesresourcecenter.com. Uh, that's where we have a lot of our online stuff and a lot of these resources and things like that that I mentioned, Kale's calculation, the sales productivity measurement, and so on. So the, the salesresourcecenter.com, and and sign up for the uh, for the easing. You know, we we have a a weekly easing that goes for salespeople and another uh, one that goes for sales leaders. So there, you can sign up for both. Awesome, Dave. Well, listen, it's been my pleasure. As always, can't wait for the next one. We may uh, end up doing a deep dive. We'll have to connect and see what topic we tackle next. But until then, have a wonderful, wonderful day, and I look forward to connecting very soon. Thank you, Brian. My pleasure. It was great spending time with you today. Maybe you liked what you heard. Maybe we sparked some controversy. Maybe we got you excited, but hopefully we got you thinking. Hey, we want to hear from you. If the topic resonated with you, if you have a comment, or if you have an issue you're serious about fixing, reach out to us today. Hey, Brian, how can they get in touch with us? Great question, John. Best ways email. Email us at results at onebrokencog.com together. We're going to help you make small adjustments that's going to lead to major impacts in your business and your revenue.